0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, March 27, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 39, the second paragraph. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Carrie M., 12 Traditions, Melanie, and our readers are Marita Jill T and Sandy D. The reference number for Wednesday, march twenty sixth, is six zero nine three. Six zero nine
1: three. The OA preamble. Excuse me, Tuesday's um recording number, I missed it, please.
0: Six 093, and we'll repeat any questions after our meeting, thank you. Mm -hmm. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members, we are self-supporting through our own contributions
2: Good morning. Uh, Thank you, Katie, for your
3: service. My name is Carrie M., a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater from Vermont. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank
0: you, and I pass. Thanks, Carrie. I'll now ask Melanie C. to read the 12 traditions.
2: Melanie? Good morning. My name is Melanie C., and I'm calling in from Washington State this morning. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers employ special workers. 9. OA, as such, would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues; hence, the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio. Films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Beth.
0: Thanks, Melanie C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 39, the second paragraph. We're actually going to start a few sentences above, but our sharing will be directed at the second paragraph, and I will now ask Marita to please read that paragraph and share. Marita?
4: Thank you, Katie. This is Marita, compulsive overeater, recovered in Virginia. But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. This is a point we wish to emphasize and reemphasize, to smash home about our alcoholic, uh, upon our alcoholic readers, as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience let us take another illustration fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm his income is good he has a fine home is happily married and the father of promising children of college age he has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone if ever there was a successful businessman it is fred to all appearance he is a stable well-balanced individual yet is alcoholic we first saw Fred about a year ago in the hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters it was his first experience of this kind and he was much ashamed of it far from admitting he was an alcoholic he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves the doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized for a few days he was depressed about his condition He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. We told him what we knew about alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. He was positive positive that this humiliating experience, plus the knowledge he had acquired, would keep him sober the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. Okay, so here's our third illustration in this chapter. Mr. Fred, um, and he's what we call a high-bottom alcoholic, meaning that he didn't have to lose everything um, to have this disease overtake him and uh, become the uncontrollable obsession in his mind and uh, uncontrolled drinking once he does ingest it in his body. So um, what struck me today, rereading this sentence uh, about Fred, a couple of things, was that um, there's some emotional information going on in this paragraph. Um, It says that he was ashamed when he got to the hospital he was ashamed, and that he was telling himself that he was here to rest his nerves. And um, at the end of the paragraph, it says that he was sure that this humiliating experience, though his feelings of humiliation and shame were going to be what protect him from ever uh, repeating this mistake, that he, um, on his self-will, on his own knowledge, would be able to stop. And also it says here that he was depressed for a few days. So um, even this uh, this this guy with a great life um, has wound up in the hospital and is feeling some um, physical and emotional pain about his experience. Um, but so far, it won't be enough for him. We've, we we uh, he he hasn't uh, he hasn't hit his bottom yet. Um, and the one pair the one sentence that I want to pull out and talk about is. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. So this is true for a lot of us, I think, when we come into program, and it was certainly true for me. I totally did not believe that I had this problem to the extent that it was represented in this book and in my meetings when I first came in, and I really didn't think I needed the woo-woo experience of spiritual recovery that some people were expressing um, to the group when I was uh, first in meetings uh, trying to understand what was happening to me. So those, those, that's the crux of it, isn't it? I have to accept my alcoholic eating behavior before I can make a change, before I can see that I need to make a change. And then the second piece of it is that, is that I have to accept the solution, which is step two, which is that I can't fix this for myself, but I can be fixed. And it has to do with getting, a, getting next to a higher power, asking for help, and being lifted out of this, out of this obsession, out of this morass by that uh, love and that mercy that I begin to experience as I develop that connection, thanks so much for letting me share and I pass.
0: Thank you, Marita. And who would like to share on what was read?
5: Rose?
6: This is Bella. Can I share?
0: okay, um first, we have Rose, and then we have Bella. Rose.
5: Thank you, Katie um. This is Rose from Hankins, New York, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. And very briefly, I want to just go to the sentence towards the end of the paragraph. Um, He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms, but but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. And as Marita already pointed out in that one sentence, that Fred couldn't believe he was an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. Well, that that was my case um, in 1973. My first meeting, I came to OA, knew I was a a compulsive overeater, food addict, um, identified in so far as that I recognized I had it, and that was the end of it for The next 39 years, uh, essentially, um, I could not accept a spiritual remedy. I was an atheist. So that was my beginning. And thanks to the power of um, this program, I remained in the rooms and was part of that 75% of the relapse rate people. But then... Uh, the thing that took place was hitting bottom and admitting, finally, I couldn't, um, I didn't have the power over food. Um, the other thing that happened along the way was that just from being in the meetings, and I did buy this book, but I never read those beginning, these beginning chapters, and therefore I never, um, got a recovery um or psychic change or any personality alteration whatsoever until a woman brought me through these pages and at that point um i i um became abstinent and thanks to god have stayed abstinent since then so so uh i I was a low bottom i wasn't a high bottom as fred was but um the uh the instruction here and the message here, the powerful message of what it um means to accept the spiritual principles in order to um receive the recovery are just for me written written inside of me. Thank you for letting me share. I'll pass.
0: Thanks, Rose. Bella?
6: Thank you, good morning. My name is Bella and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. I love this paragraph. It's a very, very painful paragraph. And I can say it's not Fred's story only. It's my story. Yes, I was there, and thank you, God, that I am not there anymore. And I want to talk a little about the last sentence. Self-knowledge would fix it the selfishness the self center the i can do it i have the control my knowledge is enough to control my life yes i can do it i am smart enough i am very successful and i will fix it to have the control to know that i don't need nobody I can do it. I have the control. And it's, it's such an Ill, a deny because, no, we don't have the control. No, we are human, and we are very limited. Yes, I can have a lot of knowledge, and I can have a lot of experience, and I can be a very successful person. And yet, I know and I am happy to know now that i want and i need and i this is my desire to be connected to god because yes my self knowledge is not enough to drive my life no i cannot do it by myself i want and i need to be connected to god and this is so sad that we that i live for so long for so many years with the idea that I can do it, and thank you, God. Not anymore. Now I know I need and I want to be connected to to God, because He has the control. I am here only a messenger. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thanks, Bella, and this is Katie G And I'm just going to take a minute, recovered for today. Thank God, some over eat our. So what are we talking about? More about alcoholism. And uh, in the last chapter, we were pre- presented with a solution. So, you know, it's like, how willing am I? My sponsor at this point in the work said to me, do I want to go on to the bitter end? And do I want to keep eating? Because I, I can do that if that's what I want to do. Um, and the point that's being smashed home with spread, when smash home, means to violently break um, you know, that's that being shared with us out of bitter experience, uh, petulant, you know, awful, bad experience, I is that my will, my desires to stop are never going to work. And it was so confusing for me, right, because I knew how to control my weight. Like I've been 228 pounds and 110 pounds and vomiting and laxatives you know, got me down. They would control it for a while. And I would make up my mind to quit altogether, just like Fred, but I couldn't end up not starting again. I always, always started again. And I went to therapists and psychiatrists. You know, my dad brought me to all of the psychiatrists and Boston eating disorder specialists. And I thought, okay, drinking, lax- drinking laxatives and, and Ipecac and throwing up in, down- in a downtown area is going to be enough. Like I, I would never, I would never do that again, and it was so my ego, and I, I didn't know how to come in to Overeaters Anonymous, the unsexiest, uncoolest name of a program. I would have rather have been in in drug cocaine because I was like, you know what, overeating is not that cool, but let's be honest, you know, addiction is not that cool. But I had to humble myself and realized, like, no amount of talking about it in therapy, no amount of understanding that it was hard to be in my childhood, no amount of processing relationships, no amount of self-help books was going to fix me. I had to get God. And in abstinence, when I was not eating no matter what, which was the start of my recovery, I had to again concede like I wasn't living on a spiritual basis. And just understanding that resentments are going to kill me when I'm abstinent, even when I've done the work, isn't enough. I have to take the actions. My life gets really colorful if I'm not taking the actions. And the reason for this is because I am just like Fred. I'll admit I have some of the symptoms, but it's that, okay, but I can do this. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And thank you, God, my bootstraps are gone. You know, and every day that I wake up, and I remember that I do not have those bootstraps. I cannot do this. Self-knowledge will not fix me. God has to fix me. And the only way to get through God is to stay obstinate and do the steps to clear myself out of my selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear with God's help. That is how I do this a day at a time. And thank you so much for allowing me to share. And who else would like to share on what was read? Larry? Lauren
2: from Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay, i
0: sure. Should- Okay, so I heard Lauren and Larry, but I heard someone before them. Paula? Paula. Okay, so Paula, Larry, and Lauren. Did I get everybody? Sharon, Colorado. All right, so that's our lineup. We're going to start with Paula, Larry, Lauren, and Sharon.
7: Good morning, and thank you again, Katie G. from Boston. This would be Paula D. from Florida currently. You know, it begins with uh, a recovered compulsive overita. Proud to say, so happy to be able to say that. Let us take another illustration. So we come along here, and, you know, we talked about our friend Jim, and uh, then we turned around and we went to the jaywalker. Well, wait, just in case, Fred, let's go to Fred. And here it is. And here, what does he say? It was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it, far from admitting to take or accept as true. He was an alcoholic. He told himself, oh, well, that's good. He came to the hospital to rest his nerves. Well, I'm glad he told himself because I'm sure nobody else did. The doctor intimidated strongly Hmm. wonder how that came out that he might be worse than he realized for a few days he was depressed and then he made up his mind oh there he goes again remember the one that told himself he made up his mind to quit drinking altogether it never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing never occurred we're talking about a sick mind here that would behave like a sick mind. There would be no truth there. I just want to switch over to go over to the next page because there is, again, he was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms. Even he admitted that was true. He had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting as true that he could do nothing about it himself. Thank you for allowing me to share and with that I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. And
8: Larry. Good morning, Katie. Thanks for your service. Larry, recovered um, compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, so um yeah, we've heard some good things here in this uh, this paragraph about Fred. First off, you know, nobody names the kid Fred anymore. So I, and I mentioned that just in order they name their kids Larry. Um, I mentioned that because when I first read this, again, kind of antiquated, and, and words, even names, can can turn me off the, to the message. Um, but you know, I digress a little bit. But what I'll say is, is that you know, you know, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. You know, and and there's a Latin term that that, that I think about, uh, sine qua non. Sine qua non. It refers to like an indispensable and essential action or, or condition or like an ingredient without which it could not be, without which it could not be, sine qua non. And I'm reminded of that because, you know, you see, I, I can relate to Fred. Step one is the sine qua non of my recovered state of being, you know, acceptance of my powerlessness, you see, and, and and this was for, was, for me, the first four years of joining Overeaters Anonymous from when I first came, is I uh, did not accept truthfully. Now, I would have told you that I did accept it. You know, I would have told you that, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm you know, reasonably successful, but look, I, I get it. I get it already. I can't stop eating. I mean, look at me. You know, I'm 80 pounds heavier than I am today. You know, this was a problem. But really, you know, for me, like Fred, despite what you told me about my seemingly hopeless condition, hopeless, it's all these paradoxes of my mind and my body, uh, you know, and about the problem, lack of power, and the solution, power. I was a long, long way from admitting there was nothing I could do about this thing, this, whatever this thing is that you described to me. So my greatest barrier to receiving this gift, this gift that was so freely given to me, um, I just rode my boat a little bit, right, was in fact my own mind. That was the greatest barrier. Self-denial appeared to me to be kind of a harmless, gentle butterfly. Yet it turned out to be a cold-blooded killer for me. It was indeed a killer. And it it was, you know, to me, you know, the bait and... Um, analyzing this and determining, well, you know, it sounded a lot like, you know, perhaps, you know, pursuing education, just more knowledge. Eventually, I'm going to get it. But that wasn't to be. See, I, I personally, personally speaking, I've never, and I use the you know, I don't like using extreme words, but I've never seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. You know, it's not even rarely for me. I've never seen someone fail in my time and program that has thoroughly followed our path. You may be the first, you know, but I haven't seen it yet. But if you're, if you're looking for an easier, softer way as I was, you know, let me know how that works out truthfully. My, my names and my numbers right there in the list call me up. I want to know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. You know, I want to know if that works for you. It didn't for me, and I haven't seen someone find, if they are, an alcoholic like me. You know, um, but, uh, you know, God bless if it works out for you. As for me, as long as I was to hold on to my old ideas, my result was zilch, zero, nothing. So like Fred, until I could accept, I could work these steps half ass all day long. I would get nothing. That's not fair. You know, I have students. Don't I get partial credit for my work? You know, there's all this kind of, you know, No. No, you don't. That sucks. It's not fair. You know what? You you don't. That's not that, you know, and it, it would be fair, wouldn't it, that we'd get like partial credit? Let me, let me give some half measures and let me, you know, let me apply some of my self-knowledge. I'll do a little diet with group support, but then I'll also kind of come to the rooms and kind of dip my toes into the pool. I got nothing. That's what I did, and it wasn't fair, you know, and finally, the disease beat me down Punch me out, and that's what you couldn't convince me. I'll just debate with you. I'll waste your time. I'll blow through one sponsor after another and waste your time. Uh, but as soon as I accept it, how you know people ask me, you know, how how long does it take? How, how long does it take? Sometime between now and never. You accept it and you and you and you row your boat just a little, God will flood in. That's what happened to me. That's why I speak with confidence. I speak with the confidence that my higher power has given me. He did this for me. I didn't do anything. I just wrote my boat with great humility, I tell you. And he he flooded in, flooded in. Thank God for, for Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, and I'll pass. Thanks.
9: Thank you, Larry. And, Lauren, go ahead. Thank you. Okay. Lauren
10: S. from Pittsburgh, a recovered compulsive I reader. <sighs> love these stories. Um Fred, he won't admit the first step. And he does not believe the second step. Which is okay. That's just where Fred is in his program. But you know, if he's a chronic addict uh you could die from this what i what i did to relate to this paragraph was uh, whenever i saw the word fred uh, well i'll just give an example this is how i related i i substituted words for my own so i wrote lauren is a partner in a well-known university her income is good she has a fine apartment she has a she's happily with her family and is the daughter of promising parents um you know, kept on doing that further down. The doctors suggested strongly that she might be worse than she realized. For a few days, she was depressed about her condition. Her, She made up her mind to quit binging.
11: Uh,
10: Lauren would not believe herself a compulsive overeater. Um, we told her what we knew about compulsive overeating, step one. She was a long way from admitting she could do nothing about it. It herself, step two. Um, Do I believe that the humiliating humiliating experience plus the knowledge I had accumulated would keep me sober the rest of my life? That self-knowledge would fix me? So, And then I just continued substituting out words until the end of the story on page 42. And reading it this way, it put myself in the shoes of Fred which um, when you're sponsoring somebody, they say putting yourself in that other person's shoes makes the difference between uh, success and failure. And I absolutely, absolutely identify with Fred, um, changing words and and turning him into Lauren's story. I thought I will pass.
9: Thanks, Lauren, and Sharon. Go ahead. Sharon? Sharon from Colorado, if you would press star one, please, to unmute. Okay, so I'm not hearing Sharon, so we'll come back to her. I think we will
0: um, move on to the next paragraph. And Jill T., would you
12: get us started, please? This is Jill T., recovered compulsive of reader in Connecticut. Katie, I was unmuting. Did you ask me to read? Oh, yes, I was. Yep, thanks, Jill. We heard no more of Fred for a while. One day we were told that he was back in the hospital. This time, he was quite shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. The story he told is most instructive, for here was a chap absolutely convinced he had to stop drinking, who had no excuse for drinking, who exhibited splendid judgment and determination in all his other concerns, yet was flat on his back nevertheless. So what I'm hearing in this illustration, it's about self-knowledge and how that avails us nothing. How knowing that we have this allergy of the body does not give us a mental defense in any way. We live in a world now of self-sufficiency and independence, so we try very hard uh, to abstain on our own. And from what I'm reading here, uh, this is about a year later because the previous uh, paragraph tells us that they met Fred about a year ago. And so my conclusion is that he's been drinking throughout this year and he's gotten a deeper understanding of the fact that he needs to stop drinking and that now he is anxious to see us where before we approached him and he said oh i have some of those symptoms but you know i thank you very much for the information so now he has some knowledge and some internalization that and he's convinced that he needs to stop drinking no excuses and he can't figure out why, nevertheless, he's flat on his back with trying. This reminds me of, of the uh, notion that I can do it myself uh, and how many times in Overeaters Anonymous we come in, and, as I did, and I learned about the allergy of the body very early on and said, okay, great, that's it. Now I understand. Now I can stay on my food plan. Now I have the power that it's going to take because now knowledge is power and I understand that. And I learned that just being abstinent will not keep me abstinent. That eventually, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, I'm going to return to the food because that mental obsession is not dealt with in a food plan. So I had all kinds of doctors telling me that I was going to die. And for years, I said, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I minimized what they were saying. I also informed um, my family that that. I needed help, and I went to meetings, and I sought professional help, and I did everything I knew to do. What I didn't realize is of myself, I cannot get this thing. So heartbreakingly, time and time again, working a food plan, working a food plan, working a food plan, eliminating my personal binge foods, knowing about the allergy of the body, I missed the obsession of the mind and how tricky it was. Self-knowledge, this aspect of more about alcoholism, is really important because we think that as long as we are reading the book and learning about the book, we're going to be able to abstain. What it tells me is that without working the remainder of the steps, without finding that higher power and that power in the God of my understanding that's going to give me that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery and will lift the merciless obsession from me without finding that God and working the remainder of the steps, then I'm doomed. So thank you. I'm done sharing. Thank
0: you, Joe. And who would like to share on what was read? This
13: is Janice. Janice. Again. Marcella?
0: again. Okay. So I heard a couple of names. The only one that my ears heard was Janice. Could uh, everybody else please repeat yourself? Marcella? Sharon. Yeah. Colorado. Can. Okay. So, uh, Sharon, we, we had you on deck from before, so we're actually going to get started with you just because I think we had a muting problem. Sharon, Janice, and there was one other person. I apologize.
11: Marcella, Marcella
0: from Boston. Marcella. Oh, Marcella. Okay, wonderful. So Sharon, Janice, Marcella, and I think I heard Kim as well. Um, So that will be our lineup, please. Thank you, ladies. Go ahead, Sharon.
13: Oh, thank you, Katie. And I apologize. My phone went completely off and took me a while to get back. But anyway, thank you so much for your service. And um, I just wanted to share on some of these things that just really hit me in this paragraph. And Uh, that I could really identify in with in regards to this uh, ongoing problem of food addiction with me, and uh, I, too, was one of those that uh, stayed in relapse for a lot of years, you know, get abstinent then not stay abstinent. So uh, one was, for a few days, Fred was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so. And that certainly was me. Uh, My life was starting to get back together through another program, and there were so many things that were happening. Uh, But I had gained some weight through a severe depression, and so I wanted to get that weight off. So one of my friends told me about OA. And um, so I was interested, and I did concede that I had some of the symptoms that they talked about, but I was a long way from admitting that I could do nothing about it. Uh, by myself, and so that started with me the years of uh dieting with group support and the fellowship and and all of that and um over and over again, you know, I would not stay abstinent and um so I would try and again you know not getting the underlying truth and fact that I had in this area with the food the same seemingly hopeless state of mind and body that I had had with the alcohol. I just was not willing or able to see that. And so, you know, I had a lot of humiliating experiences over the years as a result of that. And um, it wasn't until I started listening to this meeting, after being back in relapse for almost two years, that I saw, in the doctor's opinion, the truth that I, in regards to this food addiction, had the same seemingly hopeless state of mind and body that I had had before. And that was the beginning for me of seeing um, amazing results happen like it did many, many years ago in another program. And I followed this book diligently like I still do today. I'm on this meeting live almost every single day and, and listen to the Sunday edition meetings. And uh, I have gone through the process of the steps just exactly the way it's laid out in this program. And by God's grace, I'm, I'm going into almost 10 months being abstinent, being free, knowing that I must now, that I've worked through those first nine steps, must now diligently diligently be staying in steps 10, 11, and 12, because things still come up in my life that cause me to be restless, irritable, discontent, and afraid. But I don't ignore them. I don't dismiss them. I don't pretend that they're no big deal. Today, I know what I must do to, to live free and be set free and to stay stopped. That is the miracle That is a miracle that I hadn't experienced before, and I am so grateful for it today. So I just encourage everybody out there on the line. When I got back on the line, my gosh, it said there were 290 people on this line. So um, I just encourage you to keep coming back and and listen and and, uh, go through this process because it will work um, if we work it. And this gives such clear-cut directions on how to do it, and I'm so grateful for that. And thanks, Katie, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Sharon. And Janice,
1: go ahead. Yes, good yeah. morning, Katie. Thank you so much. Um, my name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. What a story, huh? We, You know, somebody reviewed the different illustrations. And remember that man of 30? He had that same idea, only it was just opposite with Fred. He was not going to drink until he was successful. See, that's all, this is all in our thinking. So he didn't really know he had a disease. But yet, I just want to compare Fred. Fred was successful. (laughs) See, this disease that I have is twofold. Now, we hear it and we say it and all that. But if you really look at it, it's a physical disease, which is the allergy of my body, and it is a an obsession of the mind, which is a spiritual problem. See, we, we missed that. We I missed it. I shouldn't say we. I missed it. That's why I kept trying, because I thought that, well, this disease really doesn't know who I am. The disease doesn't know I'm successful or unsuccessful, if I'm a high bottom or a low bottom. The disease doesn't know if I have money. It doesn't the disease doesn't know anything about me, but if I have the disease and you 're a low bottom, high bottom, more money, less money, have a job, no job we're all going to end up the same way isn't that something well, if I have this disease i 'm going to end up like everybody else that has this disease, but I have a choice: if I really concede that I am a compulsive overeater, I'm going to hopefully give up by the grace of God, and I'm going to choose whether to submit to that physical problem of mine, which is the allergy, by looking for the right food plan, by looking for the right job, by looking for the right sponsor, or I am going to surrender to a power greater than myself that's going to fix, that hopefully, I know, because of implementing the steps, will Will uh, um, will remove the obsession of my mind. That's the only way. <laughs> We're all going to end up the same way. We're either going to be insane for the rest before we die. <laughs> That's what usually happens. So it doesn't matter who you are because the disease doesn't know me. <laughs> the disease doesn't know me. I have to know that I have this disease, and it took me decades. <laughs> took me decades of experience and experiments and and rationalizations and self-deceptions and until I raise the flag, thank you, God, the white flag of surrender to a power greater than myself. And that's what we do. We find that power to, to, to remove this obsession of the mind because it's spiritual. Who can remove the, spirit, the, the, the uh, obsession that I have? Nobody except a higher power who created me. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Janet. And Marcella. Good
14: morning, everybody. My name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, happy, joyous, and free, um, in a healthy body weight uh, with no cravings. Isn't it wonderful? Um, here we are in uh, more about alcoholism and these wonderful four mirrors in which I look at myself, the man of 30 which is me, because every once in the blue moon, I could keep my diet for three months until I would fit in that dress to go to that social event. Jim, who made a beginning, just like I did in a way, by showing up at meetings. The Jay Walker, who has queer ideas of fun, me too, my queer ideas of fun, over eating in front of the TV, just to despair right after that. And Fred, who drank at the end of a beautiful day, Noah's cloud in the sky, and he's back in the hospital again, just like me. So this is just like the doom, the dark, the desperate reality of my disease and how much I'm in need of a miracle today. I totally second the previous speaker who said he's never seen anybody fail you know, Bill was a charismatic, wonderful um, speaker, but he was not a very good sponsor. The good sponsor was Bob. And Bob, in his story, says, never, it never fails if I invest 50, half of the seal in which I pursue my next two. If I just only invest half of the money, half of the time, half of the energy, half of the mind energy, In pursuing this program, as I as I pursue my next diet, my next nutritionist, my next coach, my next uh, personal trainer, I'll get well, and it never fails. So here we are, and how free do I want to be? How happy? How joyous? How free from the obsession of the mind? Well, if I just want to get rid of the physical, uh, of the cravings of the physical allergy, just put the food down, you know, just the trigger down and that'll alleviate a little the physical cravings but if i want a conscious contact with an endless happy power that will enable me to live free of the session and direct my god-given energies to serve others then i need the process of this book and then do i want to enjoy that energy and that awareness or do i want to pass it on you see All these four stories were related by the ultimate insiders, the people who were carrying the message and witnessing the people, Fred's relapse, Jim's relapse, the Jay Walker madness, the man of 30 powerlessness. Who do you want to be? Do you want to sit on the edges just saying, oh, this is interesting? Or do you want to experience in your flesh the marvelous, wholesale miracle that is being announced in this meeting. I strongly encourage you, jump in, get the whole entire feast, call somebody in the line, and read the book, and experience the miracle you're
9: eligible to. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Marcella And Kim? and I may have misheard, but Kim G, did you ask to speak? If you did, please press star one. Okay, um, then I'm gonna ask, before we move on, would anyone else like to share on what was read this morning? Hi, it's Katie. Leia. Okay, I
0: heard Leia and then I heard Sandy D. Leah.
15: Thank you so much, Katie G., for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name's Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. The story he told is most instructive for here is a chap absolutely convinced he had to stop drinking, who had no excuse for drinking, who exhibited splendid judgment and determination and all his other concerns, yet he was flat on his back nevertheless. I mean, poor Fred, you know, uh, <laughs> he's back in the hospital. This time, uh, you know, he's he's quite shaky. Um You know, it says in the previous paragraph that he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. You know, he was positive that this humiliating experience plus the knowledge he had acquired would keep him sober the rest of his life. And, you know, that is, um, you know, powerlessness. Powerlessness, of course, is not when uh, we're drinking, you know, not when we're eating. That's just, you know, putting alcohol in one's body to excess is going to lead you to, you know, slurring your words or dancing on a table or urinating in your pants. Uh, You know, that's not rocket science. When they talk about powerless, it means, you know, that when you learn all about alcoholism, like Fred did, because they spent time with him. And when you learn all about it, and when you know that you have no excuse for doing this behavior, and you know you got everything to lose by engaging in this behavior, and you still cannot go through life without drinking, that's powerlessness. When you have all that knowledge, when you have all that intellect, when you have all that awareness, and all of that won't help you stay sober. You'll be drunk, but you'll know exactly why. You'll be a smart drunk. You know, we have a lot of smart compulsive overeaters. We have a lot of people that attend this meeting, and they know a lot because we're in this book, dinging into the paragraphs every single day. But, see, we have a much bigger problem, and our bigger problem is when we're not compulsively overeating. Because we're abstinent. And that's too much for people like us. The disease is at its maximum when there's no food present, when we're not compulsively overeating. Because this is about living without having to compulsively overeat. This looks like it's about not compulsive overeating but this is not about not compulsive overheating. This is about living sober. This is about living abstinently without having to bend your brains out to stand it. That's step one. He hadn't reached that point yet. And if you can't take step one, then you can't take step two. We have a soul sickness that manifests itself in mind and body. He's got a recipe for disaster going on here. He's got denial of the reality of our illness. He's got pride and arrogance. He believed that his splendid judgment and determination was all that he needed. He's got self-reliance. He's got a sense of entitlement. That, you know, now I know about my disease and that's all it's going to take to conquer this. But that's not enough because we have to deal with the disease or it will deal with us. If you're like me, and I don't know if you are, if you're like me, your greatest obstacle to your recovery will be your own judgment. Doing what you think is best for you is what what got you here. And that's exactly what's true for me until I was beaten to a pulp. You know, we're not talking about temporary respite here. We can get temporary respite perhaps by some frequent companionship with our fellows. But I'm really screwed if that's all I'm relying on. At least that was my case. But through enough suffering and through enough pain and Through enough degradation that broke me down, I had to die before I was born again, die before I realized that I was going to have to surrender to something much greater than myself. How hungry was I to get well? How hungry was I to get well? Because unless I humbled myself uh, by taking step one, then I did not need the rest of the program. Because if I thought I had power and splendid judgment and determination and self-knowledge and intellect over this disease, then I do not need to believe in a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. And if I don't believe that I don't have to turn my will and my life over to that power, then I certainly do not need to pursue the steps as if my life depends upon it. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Leah. And
9: Sandy D., you'll get us wrapped up, please. Go for it. Sandy? Please press star one. Hi, this is Sandy D., Recovered
11: Compulsive Overeater in New York. So looking at Fred's story, I'm wondering if... um, The the writers were trying to find a way for people to identify. When we read the story of the man of 30, who could stop really for 25 years? Nobody I know. When we read Jim's story, um, who was such a low bottom as Jim, um, working for a business he once owned? And then there was the extreme story of the jaywalker that people say is too ridiculous for words, certainly too ridiculous to identify with. So here is Fred. Fred, a man with no, no problems, no, no clouds on the horizon. If, if we can't identify with any of the more extreme cases, maybe, maybe we can identify with Fred thinking well of ourselves, thinking that we um, are not as bad as other people. But yet Fred, who had no excuse for drinking, was still in the same state, still on his back, just like Jim, just like Bill, just like all the other people who um, were unable
9: to stop. Um, Thank you very much. I pass. Thank you, Sandy D. And it is 755.
0: Um, So we will now close the meeting. Thank you to everyone who shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will ask uh, Marita to read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
9: Marita, are you with us? I'll read that, Katie.